Good morning, Chicago, and welcome in to the Captain J. Hood Morning Show here on ESPN 1000, streaming on the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood with you at this time every day. We give you a shot or no shot, and here's Shay Norlin. Shay? Good morning, boys. Kaplan, I got to hear a little bit about this North Carolina weekend at some point. We will get into it. It was awesome. I took my son to see North Carolina and Virginia in Chapel Hill. That was a bucket list thing for him. And we went to a a bucket list. Okay, just making sure. And we went to a steakhouse on Friday night. Just two of us, father-son trip. And the bartender came over and said, hey, where are you from? Chicago? That room right there. You see that big heavy door that slides closed so it's ultimate privacy? Yeah. That is the room that Mitchell Trubisky booked to have dinner with John Fox, Ryan Pace, and the front office. All right, so here you go. Shot or no shot? If that steak had been undercooked, Patrick Mahomes would be the quarterback of the Bears. That's exactly what Dino, the bartender, said. Boy, the meal hadn't gone so well. Patrick Mahomes might be in your uniform. Take that. And it was a delicious meal. Good restaurant. That does not surprise me. I'm sure that was top shelf, right? Top shelf. Here is Shay Norling. Shay? All right, we have the reporting from Adam Schefter. It goes with a little bit of draft news we got over the weekend. I want to bring up this Daniel Jeremiah interview. Uh, NFL Network analyst, he gave his thoughts on the debate about Bryce Young versus Justin Fields. Listen to this. I had a higher, I have a higher grade on Bryce coming out than I did on Justin, but I don't think that Bryce is a great fit in Chicago. Um, and Justin, you know, obviously, I mean, I think the evaluation – is both easy and complicated. It's easy in that you can see the playmaking ability and what he's done with his legs and the competitiveness and the toughness. That's easy to see. And then it's it's complicated because how do you evaluate him with, with what he's got, you know, with who he's working with? So I, to me, I, it, this is the only thing. If and, and, knowing, and knowing the guys in Philadelphia and hearing over the last, since Jalen Hurts got in the league, hearing the work that he was putting in and hearing, you know, talking to coaches on that staff that said he would go down to the weight room on a Thursday night, nine o'clock, and he's, he's there watching tape downs. So like he, he just lived there. So when you, when you know that the, you know that he's got the ability and then you know the commitment and the work ethic is there, I think it makes it easy to believe in Jalen when he's, and he's, he's paid off. I don't. I don't have is, is the same relationships there in Chicago. I've never heard anything that would lead me to believe that Justin's not doing that. But if Justin's doing what he needs to be doing from that standpoint, I'd be like, oh, this guy's got so much ability and he's committed to it. Let's uh, let's give him some help and let's try and build around him. So there you go, Daniel Jeremiah, one of the more tapped in uh, network, NFL Network guys, says. Bryce, he has a better grade on than Justin, but stick with Justin. Shot or no shot? Even if the Bears think Bryce is better than Fields, they should stick with Justin Fields. Shot. That's a shot, and he can stick his grades, his personal grades. What does that mean? Like, okay, so if you believe in Daniel Jeremiah and his eyes, then you can go along with what he's saying. All I know is that I would rather go with the genuine article, someone that I I know that you can mold and shape and that there's more to him than what we saw than Bryce Young. For me, at this point in time, that's what I would say. So his grades, please. Well, this is what he does for a living. I mean, he's really, really good. He played college football. He was a quarterback, and he was a college scout with the Ravens, Browns, and Eagles. He's not just some talking head. 
Like, this guy has lived this life. And if he has a higher grade on Bryce, great. But as he said, I'm not in the room in Chicago. If they believe in him and he's a really good talent, surround him with talent and keep him. Yeah, and that's the right thing to do. 100%. so difficult. There's only a handful of teams now, Cap. But there's a number of teams that wish they had a quarterback that they could say, all right, we're going to start from scratch with this guy. We're going to we're going to build with this quarterback. Or you do it the Colts way and just try to find every veteran that you can and try to be able to piecemeal it together that way. Right. Like like you know? this guy, like if you said, hey, they have some Jason Locke and Fora is reporting, you know, whatever. This guy at least has worked with three different teams evaluating college players. If he truly has a really good grade on Bryce Young, it's worth talking about. But again, as he said, if Justin fits there and he's a really good player anyway, surround him with talent. I think that's fair. But just like, but comparing someone who's been in the league, this will be year three. I always look at last year as the first year for Justin because he's the first year as a starter. Mm-hmm. That whole nonsense with Nagy. Almost, I'm trying to erase that out of my mind. Yep, because he was not coached well. You mean the Chiefs' new OC? It's fine. It's fine. And just now, you have to be able to give uh, Andy Reid his um, his donut and his coffee on stainless steel now. Correct. <laughs> now it's on a, on a nice platter. Correct. Versus just handing it to him now. Now you're OC. Now you got to hand him it with uh, with kid gloves. Correct. So I, I just I look at it last year as his first official year. That's what I look at. Right. For me, and so for me, it's yeah, it's a, it's Justin for me. And I think the Bears could do something with him. I hope so. Yep. All right, Bears talk dominating the day. We have Courtney Cronin next at 818 and Adam Schefter at 835. This is still a busy day in Chicago sports outside of the Bears. I want to talk about the Bulls who swept the weekend with wins over Brooklyn and Washington and Patrick Beverly's first two games as a Bull. And Max Levine showed up. Great weekend. Combined for 59 points in the two games. He shot 66% on 35 shots, including 6 of 10 from 3. Shot or no shot. This is the Pat Bev effect. (laughs) <laughs> well, the first game, yes. This game here with Pat Bev, I mean, he had one assist. So no Pat Bev effect there. It's just Washington isn't very good, like the Bulls. It's two bad teams that they beat. And I mean, Pat Bev defended really, really well yesterday. He had a shot block on a guy who was going in for a layup. I was like, whoa. Yeah. The old man still has a little hop in him. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, a little bit of the Pat Bev effect. The Bulls also beat two bad teams. Now let's see them go to Toronto and win up there. What does that really mean, Cap, that they beat two bad teams? Have you seen the Bulls this year? What's a bad team to the Bulls when they're a bad team? No question. <laughs> Beating <laughs> bad teams is new for them. <laughs> right. I right. mean, we've been waiting for this since uh, October, haven't we not? I mean, they're losing against the Magic in Oklahoma City. I mean, that's my whole issue with them is that you are at a certain level in the league. But you should be better than Washington and the Nets or Oklahoma City or the Magic or these other teams or the Spurs. But, you know, it didn't work out that way sometimes for the Bulls. Correct. So, Pat Bevafet, I will say no shot, especially yesterday. Come on now. We had one assist. I mean, he was on the floor defensively, sure. No, me, first I'm game, Zach was being asked. Well, right. clearly, that Zach is the case. Said, no, you're not going to be on my ass. I'm going to play well. That, so, I mean, no shot so far. DeRozan play, was good yesterday, too. They play Toronto tomorrow. Tomorrow. At Toronto. At Toronto. And DeRozan had 29 last night. And Vooch, again, 16 points, 13 rebounds. I mean, the big three led the way again. 
Playoffs. We'll see. Shay. All right, Wilson Contreras spoke over the weekend about his time with the Cubs and how the Cardinals organization has been a little bit different. Let's hear this. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is, uh, this for me, I like this better. It's a it's better organization. Uh, we all, like, almost like old school, old school way, which I love it. Um, and that's something that I really like it. I was I already talked to uh, the manager about it, like how I was a coach here, and everything since I got here has been everything just one way, the cardinal way, and I have to adjust it. So uh, it's, it's not it's not it's not it's not that hard. I mean, do everything right and respect each other. That's it. Ah, oh, the twisting of the knife. Oh my goodness! He said out loud in a nice, clear voice, "The cardinal way." Oh God, your guy. The Cardinal way, Cap. Hmm. I like this better. This is a better organization. Shot or no shot, that's an indictment on the Cubs front office. No shot. Absolutely no shot. He would have, and I love Wilson. He's been great to my son. Full disclosure, just so everyone's clear. Great to you, too. I have a special needs son, and he's been amazing to him. He's been great to me. That's right. I like Wilson Contreras, the guy, very much. Say it. He would have signed here and run to grab the pen. They did not want him back under any circumstance. They have their reasons. So, look, he plays for the Cardinals now. I'm going to always root for the guy, not that team. I hope he goes four for four and they get beat 86 to nothing when they play us. Mm -hmm. So, let, let me just be full disclosure here. But those comments, Ryan Terrio went to the Cardinal Fan Fest after he left us. The Riot. The Riot, Mm -hmm. who's my buddy. Mm -hmm. And the Riot said, oh, I'm on the right side of the rivalry now. So he got booed when he came back here. Mm. And I remember talking to him. I'm like, dude, really? He's like, Cap, what am I supposed to say? They got me on an interview. Well, now you're with the Cardinal. Yeah, I'm on the right side of the rivalry. He said if I'd left them to come to the Cubs, I'd have said that there. He didn't have to say that, though. That sticks in your craw. Your buddy now is a Cardinal. That bothers you. Yeah. I think it really bothers you. Actually, it's more than what you're letting on here, but there's a guy here that you spent time with and understood his point of view when it comes to the Cubs, a guy that should still be here. My thought on it, as I told you before, the deadline is like, let him go. Like, where, where were the Cubs going anyway? Let him go. He did enough for the Cubs. But the Cardinals? Your hated rival? Yeah, I'm not oh, thrilled boy. he's a Cardinal, and I wish he was still here, and I would have... Armed with the knowledge that I have, I would have kept him. Again, I'm not in that room. They have their reasons. Hey, Shay, how about this? Shot or no shot, the Cardinals are a better organization than the Cubs. Well, it's just it's not even a debatable shot. That's a shot. Really? They're Who's b- the last team to win a World Series between those teams? <laughs> Cap, I mean, it's one of the best the organizations last team to go to multiple sports. playoffs in a row. That'd be us. So uh, stick that where the sun don't shine. Snorling. He's such a, what's crazy is he's he's such a historian, right? He's always the the Cardinals. They don't ever go under five hundred. They're always in the mix. They're so good, this and that. But then all of a sudden, he turns into, into what have you done for me lately, guy? I've never seen that from Kaplan. Yeah, screw the Cardinals. John Ham, the whole crew of them. Okay, Whitey. Well, Whitey, him too. Herzog. Oh, Whitey Herzog. Who do you think I was talking about? I wasn't sure. John Mosellac? Who do you think I was talking about? Wadi Herzog. There is no team in sports I dislike more than the St. Louis Cardinals. And now your buddies are part of the team. Correct. Says that the Cardinals are a better organization. Didn't have to say that.
didn't have to say it. Well, the cardinal way. That's a oof. knife to the heart. And guess what? Oof. It's going to come back and haunt him. Unless they go win the World Series, if the Cubs win the division, or the Cubs have a run of success, don't think somebody isn't going to go to the podium and go, hey, Cardinal Way, stick it where the sun don't shine. You can say it, by the way, if you care to, if you want to think that Contreras signs with the Cardinals with the, with the door closed. Their door closed to win a championship. Do you think it's done now, the Cardinals? Probably. I don't think the Cardinals are that good. They're they're okay. Mm-hmm. They're fine. I don't think they're. Oh my god! They didn't go get Otani and Trout. So, good luck, Wilson. Courtney Cronin will join us to give her thoughts about the Bears. Breaking news from Adam Schefter will get her thoughts about that coming up next. Adam Schefter coming up, uh, coming up in twenty minutes right here on Chicago's Home for Sports. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Kev and Jay Hood are back on Chicago's Home for Sports. ESPN Chicago. Keep your beak out of this. Courtney Cronin, National Chicago Bears reporter for ESPN. I think you have to temper expectations if you are a Bears fan, just given everything that this team had to kind of undo. Breaking down the Bears and the latest NFL storylines. Team transcendent quarterback Ross is not this guy. You know, he's very legacy conscious. He wanted to go to Denver and build something and win a Super Bowl there. Courtney Cronin with Kevin J. Hood on ESPN 1000. Chicago's home for sports. Cap and Jay Hood, weekday mornings at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Let's go to the Car X Tire and Auto Hotline. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. And say good morning to Courtney Cronin, who covers the Bears for ESPN and ESPN.com. Courtney, good morning. Morning, guys. How are you? You know how we're doing. We saw this story from. Uh, Adam Schefter uh, and, and Waters Wet, we knew this was going to be the case, right, that the Bears would be interested in trading this pick. What's your uh, – if you're Ryan Poles, though, what do you think the best course of action is? Because you wrote about this on ESPN.com. If you do trade it, what's the best scenario? Yeah, I mean, just to just to treetop this whole thing, like this is the biggest no-brainer. Like, and everybody knew that this was a situation the Bears were going to be in. If I had to – going to guess how things unfolded here. This is a young general manager who's going into the combine and wants to create leverage for himself and the team and wants to put that message out there. Like this is the week where a lot of the rumor mill starts ahead of free agency. And if you're a GM, you can control the message. You can put out smoke screens. You can do all those things. And I think this is a way for the team leaking that sort of you know mindset that everybody already knew that they were going to be looking to trade the number one pick just reinforcing, hey, we're open for business and trying to let teams know, hey, we might have been considering holding on to it, which I still don't think they do. But I actually don't know if this really helps them at all by, by having this out there. But regardless, what, what do they do with the number one pick? I, I think that the smartest course of action here, unless there is some major change in how teams are viewing these prospects, is to field offers to try to move back anywhere from two to four. I don't think you want to go much further than that because of where Jalen Carter and Willie Anderson, the two top defensive players in this draft are expected to go. So it'll be interesting to see what they come away with this week. But I wrote a story today at ESPN.com just kind of clarifying how the combine works. Like there's nothing, if you look back at the last couple of drafts, like when the Eagles and the Saints 
rearranged the draft order in the first round last year. And then, of course, the year before when San Francisco moved up to three and, you know, Miami was involved, Philly was involved. Those trades don't happen at the combine. The inner workings of those things are often, you know, laid forth in Indianapolis when you've got 32 teams and representatives all there at once. But those, I would not anticipate if they're going to trade the number one pick, I would not anticipate that happening for a couple weeks, probably a couple weeks after free agency, but they can use this week to, to get a better landscape on who their trade partners, their best ones might be. So as you look at how this whole thing is going to shake out, I went back through and I was telling Hoodie and the guys here, if you look when Jared Goff got traded, man, you look at the trade for Carson Wentz, you look at some of these other deals to move up in the draft, these are not going to happen until April, correct? Correct. And like there's like the the last two times we've seen the number 1 pick traded, it's gone for a quarter, it's gone for a quarterback and you mentioned the Jared Goff trade, that was yeah. 2 weeks before the draft when the Rams uh traded up to get Tennessee's pick and you know before that it was Atlanta moving up one spot to get Michael Vick in 2001. Right. The the draft order does not change until after the first wave of free agency because you just don't have enough information yet to know, um, you know, what the teams look like, what your roster looks like when the dust settles in free agency, which was why two years ago it was so surprising to a lot of front office execs that I've talked to over the last year or so that San Francisco was willing at that point to move up not to number one but to three because we knew Trevor Lawrence was going to Jacksonville we knew the Jets were going to be taking a quarterback, but they had the third pick at that point. And it's, you know, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get your guys. So typically you're not going to see movement like this until, you know, I think that, that one, two years ago was a Friday afternoon in March. And then, of course, last year was early April with the Saints and the Eagles jockeying draft positioning. It'll come before the first night of the draft, though. Like that's that, I think, is almost a given at that point because you don't want to be on the clock dealing with that. And, and there's just going to be too many offers for them probably to field in the meantime where they'd have to execute something well before round one starts. Courtney, I was, I was, I was telling Cap earlier, I'm just trying to simplify this when I look at what the Bears could be looking at. So tell me this. Does this make sense if I said, Courtney, it just seems to me that the Bears have a choice. Either they are in love with Jalen Carter, Will Anderson, or Tyree Wilson and stay stand pat at number one or to go down to get more picks because they're not in love with what they could get at the number one pick. Does that make sense? Because to me, Will Anderson and Jalen Carter, for sure, is a college football fan. I think they're the real deal. But again, you have your druthers to go down and try to get more. So is, does it come down to those two things, you think, if your polls? Yeah, and I think just there's going to be teams trying to call your bluff, saying you guys aren't drafting a quarterback, so we're not going to give you a king's ransom for number one when you could just take Jalen Carter at that spot anyways. And frankly, I don't think that that's out of the question. It's more difficult to find these game-wrecking three techniques in free agency. Typically, that's why those guys do not become available all that often, and, and you're not seeing a very big market for it right now. So I think you you try to go defensive end, edge rusher, fix your lackluster pass rush, and maybe you end up foregoing a Will Anderson because you can address that spot in free agency and then use whether it's at number one or whether it's trading back a couple spots that uh, you know your top pick to get Jalen Carter. But it you know 
that's one thing I think we can rule out this week is that it's not it's not a bad idea if they stay at number one and take Carter. Like, again, the draft board's here. We know that Carter's not working out this week. His agent, Drew Rosenhaus, said that he was going to just be doing his pro day um, in, at Georgia next month. But it's not – It's not a. the draft board's going to change in terms – we know Bryce Young is a top quarterback expected to go in the draft, but if the Bears end up saying, hey, we're not getting nearly enough to move back, and, yes, future draft capital is important – but we're worried about losing Jalen Carter to somebody else with, you know, in the top couple picks, or if they just don't get an offer that makes sense, they can take him there. And I think he's an instant game changer for this team and an up, certainly an upgrade uh, that's putting it lightly at that spot. So I was going through with Jonathan my thoughts on what this club needs. It, tell me if you disagree with me, and then I'll tell you my rationale. Left tackle, this is offense, left tackle, right tackle, center, wide receiver one, wide receiver two, and then another tight end. Now, one of those two tackle spots is going to be filled by Braxton Jones, so that closes one of them. Then you need a three technique, another D tackle, two D ends that can get to the quarterback, another linebacker, a starting level corner, and then, of course, roster depth. How much can that be identified in one offseason? I mean, my God, you're like, you know, can you really handle all those things in one off season? No, that's, you know, that's why when you play my rejoin there and I tell people, I don't know when that was, probably a show you and I were hosting cap about tempering expectations for this team, temper your expectations for everything that they can get accomplished in this one off season. You just listed like 10 positions right there. Correct. That's not all going to happen in one year. Can they start taking, you know, a stab at it and address really big needs? Like, you know, I think. You go back to what Paul said when we talked to him in January about the premier positions that they're willing to spend money on. That's cornerback, that's defensive end, offensive tackle. Like Those are the spots where if they're going to spend big, they're going to do it in free agency. Now, you know, if we're starting to like parse through there when you're looking at the wide receiver market, the free agent market is not great, and the draft class, it's, it's not as deep as it's been in previous years. Do they have to go and, and find someone who could potentially be a trade candidate, a cut candidate. I mean, there's a million different ways that they could handle that, but there's a lot. Like, It's just how do you prioritize it? I think they were gonna, if we're looking at free agency, and that's what they use the Combine for. They have player agent meetings all week, and they're busy, and they're trying to sort out timetables for what free, who's going to hit free agency, getting visits done, what they're going to be looking for on the free agent market. You know, I think you address the defensive end concern immediately. You try to find, you know, an upgrade at center, at left guard, uh, at left tackle. And, like, the left tackle one's interesting because that could come in the draft. If they end up getting a second-round pick before 54, they could find somebody either late first round, early second round. Um, and by late first round, I mean, we're, we're down a pick this year. So high 30s is where they could address that and then move Braxton Jones over to right tackle. But there's there's so many more needs than they have likely resources to handle it all in one season. They're going to try and they're going to add a lot. This roster is going to look a lot different, you know, three months from now. But to, to expect them to get all of it done in one off season is a stretch because of how much work they have to do. Courtney, instead of sending you a text, I will say to you directly on the air, congratulations on your new show with Peter Burns. Best week ever, every Sunday morning on ESPN 1000 and also on the ESPN uh, radio app. Congratulations. I know somewhere Jeff Dickerson is uh, raising a glass of wine uh, to congratulate you, and we're doing the same. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys, and I'll be seeing you down in Indy in a couple days. All right, we appreciate it. Uh, it is Courtney Cronin with us on the CarX and uh, Auto Hotline. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Adam Schefter next on Chicago's Home for Sports. Here's today's headlines Headline. with Captain Jay Hood. Good morning, Chicago. Adam Schefter reported this morning on Twitter that the Bears are leaning towards trading the number one pick after being approached by multiple teams already. Blackhawks held Patrick Kane out of the lineup on Saturday in San Jose. Didn't stop them from picking up their fourth or fifth straight victory. Uh, four to three. The Sports Network reported that Kane is likely to be traded to the New York Rangers. Bulls completed a weekend sweep. They uh, win 102-82 against the Washington Wizards. Also, Damian Lillard became the second player of this season to score 71 points in a single game with a 131-114 victory against Houston. Jay Moore. Cap and Jay Hood are back. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. On Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago. Captain Jay Hood, weekday mornings at 7 here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app with David Kaplan, John the Hood with you as we go to the CarX Tire and Auto Hotline. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. Adam Schefter covers the National Football League like a blanket for ESPN and ESPN.com. He joins us here on Captain Jay Hood. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, gentlemen. What's going on? You know what's going on. Breaking news from you. The Bears are open for business. What was your initial reaction to that story? Well, listen, it's Combine Week where the entire NFL universe gathers in Indianapolis uh, right now to essentially study the prospects for the upcoming draft, begin to uh, assess deals for the upcoming year. And it's a situation where I think this is, you know, an advertisement. The number one pick is for sale. Let's start talking. We've already been talking. Let's make the best deal possible. And let's see what that entails in the end. So I I think they're open for business. They've been open for business. But this is now obviously uh, one final word uh, that it sounds like they are going to be open to dealing and trading that number one overall pick. Do you believe, Adam, and thanks for joining us this morning, that they would not only trade down maybe to two so Houston gets who they want or four because um, Indianapolis wants, but that they would make multiple trades down so that they could fill, they got so many holes to address that you could have a huge part of building a new foundation? Well, I think it's certainly possible that you could go from one to two with one deal, and two to four with another deal. And the options are multiple. Like, I don't think that they're confined or limited with the way the draft board falls to just one trade. It's possible that they can make multiple trades. It's possible they can make one trade. It's possible that, you know, it's up to them to sift through this year over the course of the next few days, weeks, whatever it may be. Uh, the draft is in essentially two months. But we've seen top picks trade. I remember coming up from the Combine the year that Josh Allen was in the draft and Lamar Jackson in the draft, and the Jets traded up, I believe, from 6-3 to three with Indianapolis, or 6-4 to four, or 8-4, to four, whatever it was. But I remember thinking, wow, that trade could be made in mid-March? Like, 
six weeks out of the draft. And I just think the timeline and all these things in the NFL has been accelerated. And you don't wait necessarily to the end anymore. That these talks are going on. They have been going on. They're going to continue to go on. And nothing would stop the Bears from making the right deal this week if they found it. This week if they found it. Adam, as you reported, uh, the Bears are leaning towards trade that number one pick after being approached by multiple teams already. Was it what's going on with the Texans, Cardinals, and Colts in that regard? Are they? You think they're open for business or should be? Oh, l- l- listen. Um, when you look at the draft and the possibilities that are out there, we have the Texans at two, mm-hmm. the Colts at four, the Seahawks at five, the Raiders at seven, Falcons at eight, Panthers at nine. One, two, three, four, five. That's six teams in the top ten that you could make an argument will not be or could use help at the quarterback position. Six teams. So the Bears have the number one pick and really don't have a need at quarterback. I mean, I know there's talk about Justin Fields. I'm not buying. I think he's their guy. They just have to surround him with the right people. And so if you don't have a glaring need at quarterback, and they don't, and the Texans, Colts, Seahawks, Raiders, Falcons, Panthers, all have quarterback questions over the long term, uh, you, you, you could have potentially – you know, a feeding frenzy for that number one overall pick. And so, it creates an incredible situation for that organization and a chance to recoup a lot of these picks and to really stock up for the future. And that that's what this is about right now. So I think there's another untold story here, Adam, that maybe doesn't get written today, but does after the draft. Because the Houston Texans knew before they played their final game, they were moving on from Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith basically gave the big middle finger to the organization, went for two, got it, and now they're picking second. And it's a generational mistake because they may have to give up a lot of capital to go get the guy they want. Do you think we will see this draft and what happened with Houston getting Chicago the number one pick and teams in the future, if we're changing coaches or if we know we're locked in and wanting to be number one, we are going to make it clear internally you are not to do anything to try and win that game. No, well, no, you know, listen, I think this was a mistake by the Texans uh, in this regard. Yeah, Lovey Smith knows there's a real possibility that he's going to be out. I don't know that he knows he's going to be fired, but he certainly knows it's well within the realm of possibility. And so, to me, you know, the front office very easily could say, or ownership could say, I don't want Brandon Cooks playing. I don't want any veteran playing. We're going to hold out key guys. Listen, you you can't force a team to lose. There are 53 guys who are playing for their contracts. The players are not thinking the way that you're describing. They're thinking, I'm going to go out and do the best I can. My contract may be up. I'm always playing to try to keep my job. There's nothing you could do. But you can take certain guys off the field. That you can control, right? You can say, I mean, I don't remember who they started that game. I have to look at their lineup, the starting lineup. But they're probably four, five, six guys that they could have said, you know what, we're not playing this guy that day. And they didn't do that. You know, they, they, they played the game, and they played it to win, and they did win. And we'll see how it impacts them, but it certainly put the Bears into a tremendous position of power 
that a lot of people thought they might not be in. Adam, we see this in the NBA, Major League Baseball, all the time, where a team will go uh, and level a franchise, go in a different direction, and just start over. The Bears mm-hmm. picked a lane, clearly. With Ryan Poles wanted to pick a lane, moved a lot of players and a lot of veterans off the books. And so, based on football's past, how successful is this philosophy of starting over and have one pillar in fields and then move forward from there? Well, you know, listen, um, we've seen other quarterbacks, like the Eagles went out last offseason and surrounded Jalen Hurts with talent. Like, Jalen Hurts looked like he could play, but there were still some questions. They went out, they put A.J. Brown around him, uh, they drafted Devontae Smith. You, you saw the difference it made. And so um, they, have to, they have to do a better job of protecting Justin Fields, putting great players around Justin Fields. You know, the, the wide receiver crew they played with last year was, was substandard. It just was. And they attempted to upgrade with Chase Claypool. They need more help at the position. It doesn't stop there. You know, Cole Komet was the leading receiver. They, they need to get some weapons there. And David Montgomery is now a free agent. We'll see what they do with that. They, look, to me, when we go into this offseason, I know everybody's waiting for a decision for Aaron Rodgers and, and, and waiting to hear what he has to say. But I don't think that there's any one person that's going to impact this offseason any more than the Chicago Bears general manager, Ryan Pulse. Here's a man that holds the number one overall pick. Here's a man that has roughly $100 million in cap space. Here's a man that's going to be moving and shaking. And so right now is the start of a critical two months for the future of this Bears franchise. And it starts now, and Ryan Poles is going to be at the center of it. By the way, I pulled up that box score you mentioned. Davis Mills threw for 298 yards, and Brandon Cooks played and had 106 yards on five catches with a touchdown. Yeah, they played their guys. Yeah, mistake, right? Like, yep. like it's just, and Davis Mills, we appreciate everything you showed us this year. We're starting Jeff Grisco. Brandon Cooks, thank you. We're going to try to trade you this offseason. You're not playing. Like, how hard is that? Agreed. To do. Agreed. Hey, man, thanks for taking time for us. We really appreciate it. Again, uh, you broke that story this morning that the Bears are leaning towards trading the number one pick. We're going to be in Indy. Hope we see you in Indy. It should be an interesting week. Thanks so much, guys. Appreciate having me. Hope all is well. You're the best. Adam Schefter from ESPN with us here on the CarX Tire and Auto Hotline. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. We'll unpack what Adam had to say coming up next on Chicago's Home for Sports. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitter at ESPN1000. Cap and Jay Hood are back on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's Home for Sports. And Jay Hood on ESPN 1000 streaming on the ESPN Chicago app. Same ESPN Chicago app in which you can be able to pick up White Sox Weekly with Connor McKnight. White Sox Weekly. We already had some exhibition games this weekend, and so we'll give some White Sox Weekly. Yeah, it's a great show. We've got pitch clock issues, and I love the pitch clock. So we'll see. That, that was interesting stuff, man, with Schefter because. You hold this golden ticket. Yes. And I went back through last year's draft. No quarterback was taken till number 20. 
So Jacksonville did not have somebody going, I want to come up and get Kenny Pickett. That's who the first quarterback taken was. Kenny Pickett to the Steelers at 20, I believe. And so, okay, do we trade? Is somebody coming up and offering us a just a huge deal to go get whoever it is, Trayvon Walker or somebody, uh, Aiden Hutchinson? No. The Bears are fortunate. They may not have a Trevor Lawrence. They may not have a Peyton Manning. They do have a really good class of quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. So somebody's going to pay a price. The most impactful person in the NFL offseason, Ryan Poles, says Adam Schefter. Here's what I want, though, Cap. We already know that he has the winning lottery ticket. Mm -hmm. But if that ticket isn't worth anything, meaning that if you don't cash that in and make your team different and change your team for the, the right way through the draft, then it's just a ticket. That ticket has to cash. It is true that he is the most impactful play, uh, person because anyone with that number one pick usually is in that spot. And it's so rarely the Bears. And so I'm happy for Ryan Poles that he's in this position. But, man, you've got to be able to get that ticket and you've got to cash it in and you've got to be able to hit the ground running here. This is your second year as a general manager? You're going into your, your second off season, Cap. This is this has to be it. This has to be the beginning of something really special for the Bears. Well, I would not draft. think you're going to ever have as much change coming to your organization as you are going to have this off season. Mm-hmm. It's going to sound different. It's going to look different. You have generational cap space. You have the number one pick that fell into your lap, and you already have your quarterback. So this is a a one-in-a-lifetime type situation. Because even if, heaven forbid, you have a bad year and get the number one pick, you're never going to have it with all the cap space, every hole on your roster wide open. It's never going to work out that way. Did you notice, Shade, that he mentioned the Eagles, Schefter? He used that as an example of whatever whatever people thought of Jalen Hurts. And I like Jalen Hurts. I just didn't know... uh, he could get the Eagles to the Super Bowl, and he, along with that offense and offensive line and uh, Howie Roseman and that organization, was able to get the Eagles to the Super Bowl. But it's interesting he equated the Eagles to the Bears. They got a quarterback in place in Hurts, and they built around it. Well, that's been the blueprint because they're very similar quarterbacks, too. They have similar strengths. They've both been criticized in the past for their inability in the passing game. Hurts showed us that was... Uh, Fugazi criticism. He went out and played his ass off this season, was an MVP finalist. The one so, difference is, though, that Justin was an outstanding passer in college. That was what he was. He wasn't so was a Jalen Hurts. Yeah. To a degree, he lost his job at Alabama because he got beat out by Tua, who was a freshman. Mm-hmm. And then sat he was there. a Heisman finalist at Oklahoma. I mean, he was, we can't say he wasn't great. He was great. The, the thing that I think stands out between the two of them, and when Schefter brings it up, it's another moment where we stop and listen. The Eagles are absolutely the blueprint because they showed you can have this kind of quarterback with all the questions, and you can find ways to make everything really good around him. Whether we have the things in place or not, Cap will tell you the Eagles started building their O-line in 2012, whatever. Whether those things are already in place or not, we now see empirical proof you can build everything around the quarterback that's got question marks, and the guy can become an MVP finalist. Yeah, I think that that has been proven. I, I just think that 
And mm-hmm. I want to get Schefter's thoughts on that because, once again, we're talking about a team cap in the Bears that is leveling the franchise, that is tanking. They tanked. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I say leveling because that's one way of saying it, but they tanked. And I just want to know from him how how common is that in the NFL where you can go from the bottom and still have sustained success? It's Again, baseball, yeah. NBA, yeah. The National Football League, well, you know, there's some levels to that success. You know what I want? I want the Bears to be in the playoffs as often as possible and then hit, ring that bell and win the Super Bowl championship in this regime. I want that to happen because, Cap, because you're starting over, you have a chance to be able to mold this team into what you want it to be. And it, it can't just be running the football and good defense again. It's, it's got to be able to have something else that's more modern to the game. I want Fields to be able to connect to his receivers and tight ends and get it and be a vertical passing game along with the running game, along with a good offensive line, along with a defense. But for years, for generations, all we've had is running the football well and a strong defense. Okay, you got to have a little bit more than that in today's NFL. It's a vertical passing league. The officials are helping you, and the rules are helping you. So find that help. It's got to be more than Cole Komet. That's all I'm saying. I just can't get over the fact that the Houston Texans are going to have to give up multiple NFL players, draft picks. Yep. Multiple to get the quarterback they could have had if they would have just followed the script the last game. It's amazing. That is an organizational failure that will hopefully set our franchise up where you're going to look and go, well, that running back or that wide receiver or that left tackle or that whatever that's starring in Chicago, they got that because the other team was stupid. All right. Let me ask you this. And, Shay, tell me this. What's the difference between, say, for instance, Bryce Young is taking it one. Is there a big gap between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud based on what we saw in college? I know it is between Will Levis and uh, Bryce Young. I know that there's a gap there. Not too, not, not too big, but there's a gap there. I'm just saying for the Texas standpoint, yes, they should have tanked that game, but they did not. They can still find a quarterback, and they need a young quarterback badly in, t- in Houston. Mm-hmm. They can still find someone. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's not Bryce Young, it could be C.J. Stroud, and I think they'd be okay. That could that's be any of them. That's what I was trying to say to Cap this morning was that's why I'm more interested in trading with Carolina because if you're Houston, you're going to have your pick of one of the four guys that's at the top of your but board. But what if the one guy at the top of your board is the guy they're going up to get at one? That, But that's fine. D- you're going to have your choice of one of the top two guys on your board. That's just a fact. You will have the choice of one of the top two. Carolina will not. So that's where I get more interested in trading with the teams that don't have a chance at getting one of their two guys. But the point is, if Houston says, it's not close, we've got whoever the guy is, we've got that guy clearly the number one quarterback, then you got to do what you got to do to get him. And just go, we can never ever be that stupid again. Well, if the Bears trade down, it, that number one pick is going to be Bryce Young. It is. I think he's small. There are teams that are saying he's too small for them. And if there are some that are saying that, that might mean he doesn't go. Maybe he does go one. We'll see. I'm just, I'm a guy that's looking at this with college football eyes. I'm probably the wrong okay, guy to talk to. Okay, where were you this. in 2017, <laughs> the year Mitch Trubisky was taken yeah. at number two? 
Patrick Mahomes, I went back and looked at this. He was the 42nd ranked prospect by ESPN. 42nd. I, I told you at the time, watching college football that time, that, that offense, I thought it was a gimmick offense, and he was a wild Bronco that could not be tamed. That's what I thought. And that's why he slid to, they traded up to 10, I think, to get him. Mm-hmm. Well, again, if we redraft it, he's going number one on any possible draft. If you go back to last year, one year ago, they had a redraft today of the top spot. Mm-hmm. Who do you think went number one in the draft? In the seventeen. No, in the 22 draft. Because obviously Mahomes would go number one if you redid 17. It probably wasn't Walker at one. It was not. It was not Aiden Hutchinson. Who was it? It was Sauce Gardner would go number one. Fair. At cornerback. Mm -hmm. That's fair. If the Bears took a cornerback, people here would lose their minds. Yeah. Even though that is a need for the Bears also. Correct. And he's a (laughs) great football player. Adam Schefter told us that Ryan Poles will be the most impactful person on the during this NFL offseason. Do you believe him? 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is our phone number. Back in two minutes on Cap and J. Hood.